This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Massive penalty for Kevin Harvick and the four team has led to a massive point shakeup before the next to last race of the season. Meanwhile, last year's champ is officially landing right where he thought he would land for 2019. We've got all the details on a big news day in the NASCAR world right here on NASCAR America. Hi everyone and welcome to NASCAR America. It must be a big news day because we've got a full desk here with everyone here joining us. Marty Snyder, Jeff Burton, Steve Letarte, and Nate Ryan here. Let's get right to the news of the day. NASCAR has stripped Kevin Harvick of his spot in the championship four as a part of a major penalty against the 14 following their win at Texas on Sunday. The penalty stemmed from an unapproved spoiler found on the four car during inspection at NASCAR's R&D Center in North Carolina. And clearly it has shaken up the championship standings with a loss of 40 points for the four team and the suspension of both crew chief Rodney Childers and car chief Robert Smith for the final two races of the season. Stewart House Racing has announced they will not appeal the penalty, meaning Tony Gibson will crew chief Kevin Harvick for the final two races of the 2018 season. All right, there you go. That's the news of the day, guys. Nate, tell us the latest and how all this kind of came about today from right. the NASCAR R&D Center. Well, very busy day, unfortunately, for three teams at the NASCAR R&D Center yesterday. They took three cars back after Texas Motor Speedway. We mentioned Kevin Harvick, he got penalties. penalties. They also took back the non-playoff cars of Ryan Blaney, Eric Jones. They also were penalized uh, points and had car chief suspended. Of course, the main focus here though is Harvick losing his championship four bid. The problem was with the spoiler. And what NASCAR found in pre-race inspection, the spoiler was fine. It fit the templates externally. When they put the template on it, it fit. Everything was good. The car looked okay. When NASCAR takes the car back to the R&D center, they unbolt the spoiler and they do a more thorough examination. And matching it up against the CAD drawings, which are these computer animated 3D renditions of what the parts and pieces are supposed to look like, NASCAR found something internally that wasn't visible in the template exterior uh, investigation that indicated the spoiler was illegal. And NASCAR felt as if that helped in terms of aerodynamics, in terms of downforce, it was a speed advantage for Kevin Harvick's team. In essence, it was underneath the rear deck lid of the, right. of the four cars, what they're saying. So reaction from you guys, Steve, we'll start with you just overall on the penalty and, and obviously stripping Kevin Harvick of what, is, what was a championship for birth. Well, it's always disappointing when you get a penalty during the middle of the week. You know, the, the rates had been over now a couple days. We had a couple days to talk about Phoenix and what was coming up and now, uh, selfishly, I think the points look much better for the fans. It's going to be a pressure-packed race, but it's never good to find out about this in the middle of the week. It's something that's been pretty consistent this year. There's been a lot of points penalties given out this year. I think this will be the 13th of the season. So it's mm. it's a big penalty for sure. But in my mind, it's pretty clear in the rule book. The spoiler says it has to remain stocked as purchased by Richardson Racing Products. So any altercation, any sort of change to that spoiler at all, Jeff, it's, it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, all the teams are pushing everything they can, trying to get all they can all the time, and sometimes they go go too far. They're always 
going to push NASCAR as far as they can, and sometimes NASCAR has to push back. That's their job, to make sure it's fair for everybody. And uh, this is nothing new in NASCAR. It's been going on for a long time. Unfortunately, with all the rules and everything that happens today, you find out on a Wednesday. And that's, uh, you know, I don't know. I'd like to be able to go to the race and watch a race and leave saying, that guy won the race. But it's just with all the technology and everything going on today, it's hard to do that. We'll dive into all the whys and, and what's a little bit later. But I want to kind of move it forward a little bit to Phoenix. And you brought up a very interesting point earlier today on the phone. You said you think this makes Kevin Harvick more dangerous in the final two races, why? Well, this isn't the position they wanted to be in. I mean, they, they really wanted to be in the position they were. They already knew they were going to Homestead, but we all know Kevin Harvick, and we all see him when he gets his back against the wall. And in this situation, he probably feels like, you know, he had some help pushing him against the wall. And so he will come out swinging. That's who Kevin Harvick is. His personality is such that he's kind of built for these moments. He's built for the, these high-pressure moments. Uh, he'll poke his chest out and say, you know what? I'm coming to, coming to win this race. And it wouldn't surprise me one bit for him to win the race. He's done this before. Uh, it's a great racetrack for him. So I don't, they don't want to be in this position, but there you go. That's it right there. Pointing at that rear window from the spring race saying, yep. yep. Yeah. See that rear window? It's legal. Still won the race. Well, and that's who Kevin right Harvick is. The, spring race I mean, Phoenix too. the interview after that race, too. I, I see you haters. Like It was clear <laughs> he was relishing the fact that everybody said after Vegas, you cheated. You went with a legal car, and Kevin Harvick really, really fed off of that. No question. Well, listen, I don't think it's going to hurt the momentum of the four team, but the simple fact is not having your crew chief, not having your car chief, and losing 40 points is a hurt. That's not what anyone wants. I mean, if you go to Phoenix, a short track race, in my mind, beating and banging is going to happen, and you run over something, you knock a valve stem off, you knock a lug nut off on a pit stop, you get caught speeding, and the four team doesn't advance to Miami. You know, we could talk about what ifs all we want and what is Phoenix going to be, but they'll go back to Texas as the race that kept them out of Miami, not Phoenix. And it's a simple fact as that. I agree that Kevin Harvick is not one to lay down. He's going to come out fighting, but I would much rather not have to. I'd much rather use that energy to win the championship in Miami. I'd much rather have another week to work with my crew chief, work with my car chief to work out some of the bugs. The simple fact is that this is a huge penalty. And if you're Chase Elliott, you have to wake up today thinking, wow. We have a way better shot than I thought we ever did because before it was I had to do this and these guys were going to have to have issues. Now I think he can. He, there's a blueprint where Kurt Busch or Chase Elliott can go gain those points on Kevin Harvick. Now he runs great at Phoenix, so I don't think it'll be easy. But the simple fact is Chase Elliott sits on the pole, wins the first stage, runs in the top five of the second stage. That 17 points can be erased before we ever get into the final stage. Well, you mentioned the motivation for Kevin Harvick, and he can use anything for motivation. Here's that soundbite Nate was talking about from the spring Phoenix race. I've been mad as all get out because this team does a great job. This organization does a great job. And we've got fast race cars. And, and to take uh, you know, that away from, from those guys just really pissed me off last week and really felt more important than winning at Homestead. Uh, to race for a championship just to uh, drive it home for all those supporters out there and all you haters i see you <laughs> that's the motivation you were talking about it's exactly what kevin harvick's done his entire career well that's kevin kevin was a wrestler in high school and that's him he doesn't mind the fight an undersized he, wrestler yeah he, he does not mind the fight now his fight just got a lot harder his fight that that he he wanted to fight at homestead right he didn't want to have to fight at phoenix now he's got to fight at Phoenix, and that's not the fight he was wanting, but over the next two or three days, he's only going to get more mad. He's only going to get more angry about it, and, and if, if those 
the, the not having his crew chief there isn't a huge disadvantage. And if having his car chief there is not a big disadvantage, and those are big ifs, they'll outrun the guys they got to beat. The question is, are they going to have the pit stops they need? Are they going to get fender damage? Are they going to have something that precludes them? It's not always the fastest car. It's not always a top three car that finishes third. Sometimes the third place car finishes 18th. And those kind of things, you know, keep you from going to Miami. And they happen. That's racing. It happens every single week. Is there a better racetrack for if you're the if you're the four team to have this happen? At? And I talked to Rodney Childers yesterday before all this came down. They're bringing what they feel like is their best car, the car that won Phoenix earlier this year and won New Hampshire in July. Well, there's no better racetrack. I mean, he's a multiple-time winner, nine-time winner. I mean, he knows how to win at Phoenix. Um, we talk about a reconfiguration. All it really is is the move of the start-finish line. It's the same shape racetrack. Some great improvements for the fans. But unfortunately for the competitors, no real change to the racetrack that may discount why Kevin Harvick should be fast there. There was a point that it feels like some of the competition caught up a little bit. But if you go back to the spring, this four car was extremely fast. I expect them to be fast again. But Jeff brings up a great point. The simple fact is there's no more wiggle room. And, and that can't be overstated enough. If someone would have told me that Christopher Bell would be this far out in the Xfinity points or, or uh, Justin Augar would at this point out, I would have said, you're crazy. Of course they're going to be in there. Listen, the reason we race is because the pole sitter's not guaranteed anything. Practice, how many fast cars in practice never win the race? Kevin Harvick, he can have all the stats he wants at Phoenix, but there's still a race to be run. And now there are a lot of other teams can affect Kevin Harvick's path. Coming in here pre-penalty, no one could affect his path. He was off to Miami. Yeah, I think it's important, too, to remember that in the spring race, Kevin Harvick won the race, but the, the 18 car... And Kyle Busch probably had the best car all day long. They, they got by him on a, on a green flag exchange. Uh, but really, Kyle Busch probably had the best car all day long. So uh, will it take a win now for Kevin Harvick to get in? And we won't know that until the first two stages is over. I mean, Kevin Harvick went from not caring what happened in the first two <laughs> stages and only caring about what he could do to win the race to prevent somebody else that he didn't want to get in the playoffs to now he's got a race to get points in both of those stages. That's a major change in philosophy between what ha- what ha- the way he felt Sunday and the way he feels Wednesday. Completely different mindset going into that race. And look, let, let's go back to Martinsville. Joe Logano moves Martin Trex Jr. He told us before the weekend, I will move somebody to go to Miami. And he did it. Well, how many times do we have to see action at Phoenix? Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin, I know there's bad blood, but they get into it. The, the combat move that Ryan Newman put on Kyle Larson to advance years, years past. My, my point is... It's not a normal race. Kevin Harvick runs great at Phoenix. But if he is coming to the finish and Chase Elliott's the guy behind him, how does that happen? Does he let Chase Elliott go? Like, it, it, this is not these playoffs. Jeff and I have had this conversation. Jeff, we, they couldn't race any harder, right? Why, why would this system make a difference? <laughs> we were wrong. We were wrong. They're crazy. What we have proven is what is acceptable at the Spring Phoenix is not what's acceptable to Fall Phoenix. Kevin Harvick's number at Phoenix, why they're impressive. That is not in this situation. Every situation is different. Every field is different. What if it's his own teammate, Kurt Busch? Which is a great point, who's now back in the ballgame, just three points behind the cut line. Yeah, and, and listen, Kurt was proven earlier this year when Kevin beat him to a stage finish that we're all racing for one another. What would be more sweet for Kurt Busch than to win the race out in Phoenix? And so the other thing that this, this changes is that now – Kevin Harvick can feel like he's in pretty good shape with points, and Kurt Busch or anybody else move someone else out of the way, not even Kevin Harvick, and he go win the race, and Kevin goes home on points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
He wasn't in that which position be, until today. Which right? would be shocking so, considering all the all the bonus points they had coming into this That's round. correct. Shocking. So, but so, if you were <laughs> Kyle Bush and you could eliminate one driver. Yes. Oh, sure. Who yeah, would you yes. eliminate would from you Miami? Kevin yes. Harvick. I mean, oh, man. We saw with the 22 last week. You can't convince me that the 22 spit strategy last week wasn't trying to catch the 78, the, the 78, the 4, or the 18 in a position where it put them behind. You can't Absolutely. convince me of that. Trying, trying to and, pin them down. And you know what? Down. Good for them. That's what they should have been doing. <laughs> Nate, what's it say about the depth of the team? You put Tony Gibson right. in, and then you have Dax Geringer, who's there, who's the lead engineer for the four car, who was actually filled in for Rodney Childers at Pocono last year. But they they decided to go with, with Tony Gibson, obviously the right call, but what does it say about the depth of Stuart Haas Racing that they can pull a guy who's one of the right. Daytona 500 as a crew chief off the bench. Well, and I think that we've heard the drivers at Stuart Haas say this all year long, that having Tony Gibson in the shop working on car preparation has made a difference in how much faster they've been in 2018 versus 2017. He's been in the heat of championship battle before. And, you know, it, it's interesting to go back and look at the Rodney Childers situation because even though he's suspended, I mean, it's it's fair to think that he could maybe be on site, right? I, sure. mean, I mean, he is allowed to be in the grandstands or in the suites. He is probably going to be in contact with the team. NASCAR is cognizant of that, and that is why that they also have suspended the car chief. They took this extra step of not just suspending, suspending the crew chief, but also su suspending the car chief because they wanted to add a little extra sting because they felt as if just suspending the crew chief wasn't always having that desired impact with teams. Well, two things you said that really jumped out at me. So it's so valuable to have Tony Gibson in the shop. Where's he not yeah. going to be this week? Not at the shop. Not in the shop. He's going to have to be in Phoenix trying to get the four car through. That has an effect on Miami, right? Those cars are there being prepped in some sort of uh, way, shape, or form. You mentioned Rodney Childers. Absolutely, he's going to be in Phoenix. He's going to be probably in contact with his driver. You can't eliminate uh, communication in today's world of technology. But what Tony Gibson brings is leadership. And that's really the big move. Taking Rodney Childers off the pit box doesn't make them slower, doesn't make them less uh, talented, doesn't make their pit strategy any more complicated. But what it does is, Maybe you hit somebody on pit road, full defender in. With this new damage vehicle policy, a less experienced true chief can make a simple mistake, hurt your chances. Tony Gibson's not going to let any of that happen. He is going to be the general. Now, he's not going to overstep. Kevin Harvick's going to be the leader of this race team this weekend. But Tony Gibson will make sure everybody is lock and step with what Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick need. I think it says a lot about an organization that you have Tony Gibson on the bench. I mean, only there by his own free will. He wanted to sure. take some time off. And uh, if I know Tony Gibson, he's going to relish the opportunity. And you can't, even if Rodney Childress is there, you can't make that split-second decision right. in some cases. In some cases, you know, you get that, you know, this happened, should we pit right now or not? You can't have the, hey, Rodney, what are we going to do here, right? You've got to <laughs> make a decision like that. So that experience can come into play. And, and, and I think that, you know, as a driver, when I hear that voice, you know, when I hear the voice of confidence, I hear the voice of this moment's not too big for me, that matters. It really, truly matters, and that's what he'll get from Tony. Plenty more to come on this news in the show today, and we'll talk about it quite a bit. The penalty handed down to the 14 wasn't the only big news that broke today, though. Joe Gibbs Racing made it official that last year's Cup Series champion, Martin Truex Jr. and his crew chief, Cole Pern, will run the team's number 19 car in the Cup Series for the 2019 season. Cole Pern appeared on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio and talked about racing for a championship while also figuring out where his next job was going to be. The good thing is that we are still in it. I can't imagine what it would be like if we weren't. Um, at the end of the day, it's, uh, 
the distractions, a lot of it's just, you know, you're not going to be working with the same people and, you know, we're all not going to be coming to the shop here in a few weeks. And, you know, those start, those things start to start to bother you for sure. And it's, uh, it's going to be a, a tight knit group that we're going to all miss. All right, Nate, you've been all over this. So reaction to this news finally coming out. I think we all kind of knew it was percolating under the yeah. surface, but finally out. It feels a little opportunistic that it came on a day when there was a lot of other things happening when we were expecting when will this finally you know, emerge. I thought it was interesting what Cole Perm just said, because normally, you guys know this, when you have distractions involved with a race team, you always hear crew chiefs dismiss it, downplay it. Cole Pern, being the candid guy that he always is, yeah, it's been a distraction. Yeah, it's it's bothered us. And mm-hmm. I'll give him a lot of credit for saying that and, and just being very blunt about the impact it's had on that team, understandably. Well, I think announcing it's going to help them move forward. Um, it's not going to be the entire team intact, right? It's not what you announced. You announced the driver and the Correct. crew chief. So while I think there are a lot of smart people at Joe Gibbs Racing, the 78 obviously put quite a mix together themselves to do what they've done from out in Colorado. So... Um, this announcement lets us know where two players are going, but there's some four or five other key members that I'm going to be doing some checking on this weekend to see where they <laughs> land because um, I think Cole is very smart and Martin's a heck of a race car driver. But there's four or five other guys that I'd really be interested. If I was a crew chief, I would have been calling them for weeks now, hoping I was going to try to get one of them on my race team. And I think it's going to be tough to keep that 78 team intact. I think that may be fractured a little bit. You can't bring everybody over to Joe Gibbs Racing. They also said they'll announce the sponsors at a later date as well. Well, it must be deja vu for Kevin Harvick because the last time he was hit with a major penalty, he won the very next race at, oddly enough, Phoenix. So what's the reaction to the news today at Stuart Haas? Dave Burns has more from SHR headquarters next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for 20,000 miles. NASCAR's Elite put it all on the line in their last chance to make the championship for the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Phoenix, Sunday, 2.30 Eastern on NBC. With their championship four spot taken away, Kevin Harvick and the four team will have to race their way in at Phoenix without their regular crew chief and car chief. But as Dave Burns reports, some experienced hands are stepping up. All right, Marty, let's talk logistics for the Ford team. Remember, a lot of this was already in place. After the Texas race, the teams woke up on Monday morning and prepped their Phoenix race cars that were brought out to Texas Motor Speedway. So that was already done by Rodney Childers, the crew chief, and by Cheddar Smith, the car chief, and the rest of the road crew. That normally would be done here at Stewart House Racing. They just did it on the road, and down the road, the Phoenix race cars went. So then the news came out that Tony Gibson and Nick DeFazio would be replacing Rodney Childers and Cheddar Smith. And so really the only difference is that they'll fly out tomorrow afternoon and join the road crew and assume the positions of crew chief and car chief. And they're good ones because Nick knows what he's doing around the race car. He's normally the setup technician for the Ford team here at the shop. And of course, Tony Gibson, the production manager normal at SHR, he knows all of these cars stem to stern. So should be a good transition. The only thing really in question then is how well they'll all be able to communicate together to try to get Kevin Harvick to victory lane or at least enough points to get him to Miami. Appreciate that, Dave. Here's a statement from Greg Zipadelli earlier today on the Kevin Harvick penalty. And, and I, Steve, I think you found this interesting where he said, we work tirelessly across every inch of our race cars to create speed. And unfortunately, NASCAR determined we ventured into an area not accommodated 
by its rule book. What's your take on uh, on Zippy's quote there? Well, one reason I think Zippy is a great uh, VP of competition is that he, he addressed that, listen, we're not going to appeal. We're, we're outside the box. NASCAR let us know that. But he didn't back down. He didn't tuck his tail. He said, we attack. We, we look for an advantage every inch of our race cars. There's a reason they have four cars in these final eight. I'm not saying that they say, oh, well, it's okay if we get caught. That's, that's by no means what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is if there is a line to be on, they stand on it. They have their toes on the line. This spoiler, in my opinion, is not the reason Kevin Harvick won Texas. The concept of this spoiler is why. Because there's a thousand other things that they have taken every inch possible. Now, did they go over on the spoiler? NASCAR said they did. There's an issue. They've, they've obviously brought down this penalty. But just the way the organization runs, and this is from the top, the VP of competition, he said, yep, we were out of the box. NASCAR said it. But be clear, his first line out was how they look for every single advantage. So then why do it, though? If it's because not the if reason you, he won the race, then why do it? Because if that concept isn't how you assemble your race cars, then they have no cars in the final eight, not four. It's not a part or a piece. That's fair enough. It's not. I mean, no, yeah. here's what I want everyone to understand. This is a penalty about a piece. NASCAR's job is to enforce it. They were out of the box. From everything I've read, they're enforced. The concept is way bigger than one spoiler. The concept is if the rule's 1.00, we're going to take 1.00 and try to get 1.001. And we're going to do that on 100, if not 1,000 rules. And when you stack those millions of pennies, we're going to bring dominant race cars, and that's what they've done. And what's interesting to me is NASCAR was ready for the team to appeal. Like, they, were, they had a case prepared. They were ready to expedite the appeal, so it was heard before Phoenix. I think they are grateful that the team didn't appeal uh, because it allows them to put this to bed before getting to Phoenix, and you don't have all these headlines throughout the week about appeal hearings and such. But I think NASCAR thought it was within Stuart Haas Racing's right to do that. Uh, NASCAR, I talked to somebody today who said, this hasn't been on their radar. They haven't, they, you know, they didn't have their antenna up looking for the unbolting the spoiler and let's see if something's going on underneath there that's, you know, getting it higher in the air or getting a better angle or getting better downforce, whatever. So uh, it would have been interesting, I think, if Stuart Haas Racing would have made the case, right? Because it hasn't really been a recurring issue yet this year. Yeah, listen, I, Steve said it. You stack, you stack a bunch of pennies and you end up with a lot of dollars. And that's what they're doing. It's a, it is a philosophy not of cheating, it is a philosophy, a philosophy of if you are going to push everything to the thousandths of an inch, you may go over on something. You know, they did not put that spoiler on the car knowing they were going to get caught. They did not put that spoiler on the car saying, okay, we're going to do this, and if NASCAR catches it, we're going to get DQ'd. They did that saying, okay, we think we can get by with all of this. This is going to be okay. And you do that with every single part on the race car. Because unlike every other sport, you know, I hear about officiating in other sports. Well, guess what they have to officiate? They have to officiate what happens between the lines. One football deflate gate caused how many millions of dollars <laughs> and all, the, football, all yeah, the crap yeah. that went on around deflate gate. Well, our teams, these teams, they bring race cars to the race to the racetrack, and every single part on that car has a rule associated to it. Every single part. There's not a part on the car that doesn't have a rule associated to it. So all these, other, all these other sports that talk about, well, golly, the official, the official didn't see his foot on the line. Well, NASCAR has to do that, and they have to officiate the ball. And it completely changes. That's why this sport is so hard. It's so difficult than others. And it's the team's job. It's the team's job to get every single bit from every single component 
NASCAR gives them a rule. They say, here it is, and they try to get right up against the rule. That's their job. And if they're not doing it, they're not winning. And, I, and to that point, I had a crew chief in the playoffs tell me, if my car goes through tech the first time and passes, then I'm not doing my job. Sunday, as his car was rolling back around to him, he, was, he said, I, I, I need it to fail. When drivers get out and thank their team, and everybody goes, oh, man, they thank their team and sponsors. Kevin Harvick doesn't thank his team because it's the right thing to do. I know this because if the pit stops are bad, Kevin Harvick doesn't thank them. He gets out and he says, my pit stops are bad. I've heard that before. But what I love about Kevin Harvick is when he gets out and says, I like to thank my four crew and, and Ronnie Childress, is because Kevin Harvick is an outstanding race car driver. But he knows the car he's driving is an outstanding race car. It doesn't matter how good of a driver you are. If that car is slow, you can only make it so much better. And you're not going to go beat the likes of the talent that this four car has beat at record pace this year with okay race cars. You do it with great race cars, and you build great race cars by taking calculated risks, dancing on the edge, whatever you want to say, whatever analogy, whatever cliche. The simple fact is you take, take, and take. Nate, uh, the one thing that I've thought about all day long and I can't get past, what if this happens in Miami? On well, championship day? Well, the simple answer, Marty, is it can't because NASCAR won't be taking cars to the R&D Center after the championship finale at Homestead Miami Speedway. They will be doing a teardown in the garage area, so there will be a little bit more of an extensive post-race inspection that they would do after a normal race where they, they do a cursory inspection, then bring the car back to Concord and do the inspection that resulted in the Harvick penalty this week. It won't be that detailed, but there will be a teardown that's a little bit more detailed, but we won't have to wait. We will know when we crown a champion on air after that race that that is your 2018 champion. And I think it's fair to say that when you go to Homestead, you go to Miami with a, with four cars with a chance to win a championship, those four cars receive a tremendous amount of scrutiny prior to ever getting on the track. More so than I think in any other race because NASCAR can focus on those four cars. Was it two years ago that Jimmy Johnson barely made the race? Yeah, well, he yeah, had the back of the field. Yeah, yeah, like, he won the championship. Yeah, yeah like he the barely got on the racetrack, you know, yeah. having that much trouble getting onto the racetrack because of pre-race inspection. And that, that's just because of extra scrutiny being applied to the teams that I think you'll see in, in Miami for these four teams. There you see the revised championship standings. Does it bother anyone else that here we are on Wednesday talking about a car yes. that won – yeah. Sunday oh, that didn't make I mean, tech. Na NASCAR has said that they are, are trying to get away from this. They're, they want to get out of the, the business of handing out midweek penalties. But and there's yet, no better mousetrap, is there? Well, There's always a better way, but I don't know what it is. Anyone who sits here today and they're okay with the penalty on Wednesday is either not a sports fan or they're lying. Like, who who likes that? No one likes that. <laughs> NASCAR, NASCAR doesn't, doesn't like that. that. Yeah. Stuart Haas Racing doesn't like that. Scott no Miller one likes that. No one likes If I had a better idea, I would be on the phone with Scott Miller and saying, hey, why don't you try X, Y, or Z? I don't know. But as he says, listen, it's not their desire to issue penalties, but it's their job to officiate what's going on. And, you know, I don't know the answer, but I feel that while we look at competition and we look at facilities, and Phoenix is a great example, we're going to go to this new beautiful facility with great new stands and great new suites and so much entertainment, and we're ready to, you know, figure out which four there are. I feel that we are all owed, NASCAR's owed, everyone's owed a more definitive answer at the end of the weekend. I, unfortunately, don't know how you get there because there will always be advantages in the cars. And when there's an advantage, people are going to take it. Yeah, I, we, there, there has to be a better way, but it's not easy. And it, lawless, lawlessness is not the answer. <laughs> no. Like, you know, I hear people say, well, just don't post tech them. Well, you have to post race tech them. Yeah. I mean, you have to. There's no choice because if you don't, People like him <laughs> will do bad things. Letard, Letard, I mean, you me. have to. He'll do them too. But, <laughs> but, but you have to, you have to, 
protect them post-race. You cannot just right. say, okay, if you, made, if you go pre-race, you're good, because a lot of things will change during that race. And all the energy and effort will be going to making that car evolve as the race develops. You gotta have some kind of post. Ever see Transformers? We, we had this. <laughs> we had this discussion last year, Jeff, on a podcast where you said the problem with rules is you have to enforce them. And you were talking about earlier that every part and piece on the car has how many rules attached to it. Isn't the easy answer here just less rules? Might I mean, I'm not advocating so, so like outlaw culture. So philosophically, just less rules. philosophically, yes. Okay, here's the problem, and here's the here is the rub and the and the difficult position NASCAR's in. So if you told me that you're gonna let me do whatever I want to my phone, okay? And I go do that. How many millions of dollars am I going to spend to get this phone to do whatever I want it to do? So his argument will be, but wait a minute. If you let me do whatever I want, then I can do whatever I want. If you give me rules, I'm still gonna find a way within those rules and I'm gonna have to spend the money to abide by the rules to go still get the phone to do what I want it to do. And that's the most difficult situation. Is that NASCAR trying to control cost and trying to make it fair for all the teams have created more rules. Has it made it so that the teams abide by the rules more? Has it made it more affordable? I don't know the answer to that, but that's the, that's the, the problem that they've got, trying to figure those two things out. It's only an like hour show, show I'm gonna be real easy. Say, yeah. I'm gonna be real easy. I'm team less rules, way less <laughs> rules. Like, wait, like, I don't mean 10% less. I mean like 90% less. So. <laughs> All right, cool. That sounds like a whole different show. We'll talk about it in the offseason because it's coming up quickly. Nate, great job today. Appreciate hey, all your hustle me. today. There's a lot thanks. of good stuff from you guys. Slow right? news day, honey. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nothing going on for Nate. So, hey, on the Stuart Haas Xfinity Series side, much different story. Cole Custer locked into the championship four. That sets up a big elimination race on Saturday. We'll talk about that next on NASCAR America. Today's Coca-Cola top moment takes us back to the Xfinity Series race. Daytona, July. This was a fun one, guys, wasn't it? Justin Haley won, right? Well, I, I thought he did <laughs> until about a minute later. And Kyle Larson actually won. A legal pass there by Justin Haley. A fun moment earlier this year. One of many moments that's made the Xfinity Series so exciting this year. Here's championship standings. Cole Custer locked in. This is what we've talked about, guys. We cannot believe Justin Allgaier and Christopher Bell below the cut line Bell in a must-win scenario after the wreck that ended his day at Texas. Regarding the championship, where's your head right now? I won six races this year, so I've had, I had a great season so far and got a chance to win two more. I love the confidence for the young man. He's gotten all the wins this year. But my question is, do Allgaier and Christopher Bell both make it in the championship four? Nope. <laughs> Pretty simple answer from Steve. Jeff, I'm actually going to go, I'm gonna go one farther and say over two. Really? No, I think. But, but um, Justin Allgaier is so close at one of his best racetracks. Yeah, Christopher Bell's won six races this year. I mean, what? listen, here's here's the thing. Two races ago, if you'd said they both could, absolutely, I'd have given you odds for sure. They are hands down the championship favorite, and I think we're gonna go to the championship race with neither of the favorites in. And the reason I have is I used to tell the owners all the time when they would say, well, that guy should run in the top five. Okay, so who's not? Because the playoff leaderboard is full, right? So Cole Custer, he's there. So who are you going to outrun? Is it going to be, you know, Elliot Sadler? I don't think so. Is it going to be Damian Humrick? I don't think so. I hate to say this, but I think the weak spot of everyone is the guy that has the best points cushion, and that's Tyler Reddick. And the reason I say that is because politely, he hits a lot of stuff. 
<laughs> and he's fast when he does it, but can he put a race together at a track that, Jeff, you know, there's just very little margins for error at Phoenix. So can Dave Allens, can he get Tyler Reddick to run within the limits of that race car? If he can, then I think they're, those four are through. This is, uh, when you look at the points, like I see an opportunity for anything to happen. Like I, I think Christopher Bell, I think Christopher Bell goes to Phoenix and wins the race. I, hmm. That's my favorite to win okay. the race. I think that that's that's my favorite. Now, so now, I think that's an easier question than who than who gets eliminated. Now, All right. That's right. So, that's, so if Bell it's wins, for him to win the race. I mean, who who are the who who are your two favorites to win the race this weekend? I say Justin Allgaier. I okay, mean, and I said Bell. You said Allgaier. Who do, who do, who's well, in NASCAR version, Daniel Hemrick would get his first ever win and beat those two. I mean, isn't well, that how it works? All year. <laughs> no, right. no, no, you're right. I mean, Christopher Bell has to be your favorite going into it. But just like we talk about Kevin Harvick, who's above, right? Christopher Bell's only option is to win. Sometimes I just, you have to wonder what that does to the psyche of a team, to a young race car. This isn't Kevin Harvick we're talking about. This isn't Joey Logano. While he's as talented as such, probably so, definitely doesn't have the experience, right? How will he handle the moment? Racing and the playoffs are about moments, and it's going to be a big moment this Saturday. It, it, this, this race is going to be crazy. Like you, this so so this playoff format and this format all year long, where stage points get paid. Well, how valuable is finishing oh. third instead of finishing sixth going to be? And we saw what happens at Martinsville right. and the cutoff. Well, every one of these stages is a cutoff race for these guys. The points are that's so close. I, I'm. I'm fascinated to watch this race on Saturday. I mean, listen, we've had a wreck at the first lap of the last two races. <laughs> That's a good point. And now we're going to what I consider an even more difficult racetrack that, oh, by the way, we're going to flop it. So yeah, you're going to restart into turn line. three. Let's yeah. restart in the corner. Yeah, you oh, can just start finish yeah. line. You can hang a left and do whatever you want to do. Well, yeah. and that sets up the whole thing we haven't even talked about this weekend, that going into what is now the new three and four, if you're behind the guy, you can just dump him and you can so win the no, race. So no more numbers. There's the flat end and the bank end because yeah, I'm going to have him roll. I, I, so Todd Gordon told me that yesterday, yes. Yeah. Flat so, end so and the bank So here's what we're doing. We're putting, so we are going to have a money jar, and every time you call turn one, turn three, you've got to put a dollar in, dollar and we're going to do something with charity. They'll probably get about 150 bucks. By we should start weekend, it right now because we all owe about four bucks already. <laughs> well, so to your point, though, the restarts are a huge question mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the track itself, once you get under green a lap, it's the same track. Um, that's a huge question mark. Pit Road, I don't think it's a huge question mark, but you want to have a conversation. There's still a question around Pit Road. Pit stalls are a little bit bigger. Um, the fans are in for an absolute treat because they're no longer staring into the desert sun. They're going to be staring away from it in the shade, which is always great when we're in the desert. Brand new seats. There's a new infield. There's so many new things. And now they have, until Miami, the most important race of the year. So, I mean, how could you not look forward to this weekend? And who knew the new RV parking spots or what's now the back straightaway could have benefited Rodney Childers before this race. <laughs> I bet Stuart Haas is going to have one this weekend. I bet they're going to have one this We've weekend. Gone By the way, the make sure you check out Nate Ryan's podcast this week with Elliot Sadler. Coming up, it's been a big news Wednesday here on NASCAR America. Kevin Harvick slapped with a playoff changing penalty, and Martin Truex Jr. has officially a new home. We'll revisit both stories next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. Well, Kevin Harvick overcame adversity to win at Phoenix this spring. He'll have to do it again this week. And after winning at Texas, Harvick has been stripped of his berth in the championship race as part of a major penalty against the four teams. Their new points position has them just three points above the cut line. 
with only one race left to make it to the championship four. In other big news today, Martin Truex Jr., it's now official. He and Cole Pern will join the 19 team next season at Joe Gibbs Racing. With more on that announcement and what's next for the 19 team, here's Dave Burns. So, Marty, what does the official announcement now mean for Daniel Suarez, Martin Truex going forward? Well, in some ways, not a lot, because Suarez has told us in recent weeks that he would not be returning to the 19, so his search for 2019 is already well underway and maybe another not-so-well-kept secret in the garage area. And for Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern, well, they're a part of the Toyota family. They're going to stay a part of the Toyota family, so they're running for the championship, being involved in competition meetings, etc. That is going to stay the same as well. One thing that it might do, let's say Martin Truex Jr. makes it through to the championship four in Miami. The way that he's now answering the question, what are you doing next year, is so much simpler. They had to think of creative ways to say, uh, we can't tell you or we don't know or various versions of that. Now it's just, yep, go to the 19 and we'll see you in 2019. I think that significantly reduces the distraction of what the future was going to be for Martin Truex Jr. Final thought, Joe Gibbs Racing and Furniture Row Racing, they've been through this process of moving people around and restarting lives before. Remember the one-year commitment that Eric Jones had in the 77 car at Furniture Row Racing? That involved personnel movement out west, personnel movement back east. I don't say it's going to be easier because they know that, but at least they've been through it before, so the pathways may be there to make the transition as smooth and helpful as possible. Appreciate all the hustle today, Dave. Coming up next, we'll unveil the newest members of our pit crew All-Stars. See who made the cut when NASCAR America continues. As March Madness ended and things started getting into reality of uh, getting to the real world soon, I had to take this guy up on his up and see what NASCAR was all about. You know, we jump off bridges into the water and trampoline tricks and and the like. Instincts just kicked in. I wrestled him down, uh, handcuffed him, and, and from then on, I was kind of my, uh, my mom's boyfriend's go-to guy for, for bounty hunting. We were at Dan Marino's house together, and his father, of course, was with us. And my dad had flown down, and we were having Thanksgiving together. And towards the end of the afternoon, Dan brought out some Italian moonshine. Oh, no, 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 no. I will not go one-on-one -on -one with this man right here. It will not happen. Come on, man. I'll take it easy. <laughs> Ah, uh, Steve, I love these pit crew all-star stories. Here are some of the guys we've nominated through the first few weeks. I mean, you can't make it up. <laughs> from, from a basketball player to a bounty My hunter. My man TJ I mean, Simke was a bounty hunter, yeah. in case you didn't catch that. And if you've ever seen him, you wouldn't bring along. Uh, well, yeah, no, you would not, would you? Um, <laughs> by the way, here are the guys for this week, and the guys and gals up and down pit road love honoring all these guys. The first guy that we have is Eric Wallace from Roush Fenway Racing. He'll be on the sixth car this weekend when he's not in the pits. He's racing his own pro truck across the East Coast. That's pretty impressive. Tony Hirschman, Kyle Busch's spotter in the Cup Series, looking for his second title as part of the 18 team. And Brandon Harder's gone over the wall for three of Jimmy Johnson's seven titles with Hendrick Motorsports, both as a gas man and a jack man. Now, Tony Hirschman, Jeff, comes from a racing family. His dad, also named Tony, is a five-time Modified Series champion. His brother, Matt, drives. And I think you feel like Guys who come from this heritage make great spotters. I think they do. I think I think being from a racing family helps too. I think you know there, there's something about uh, the feeling of being in a racing family, the understanding that every single lap matters, all the things matter. I mm -hmm. think that intensity makes Tony a really good spotter. 
Eric Wallace, a 12-year veteran of Pit Road, Steve. He he races in the Snowball Derby every year. You know, and you mentioned it too, veteran. 12 seasons with Roush Fenway in, in something that continues to rotate over and over like a pit crew. His coach reminds us how important it is to have a veteran to lead those young guys into competition through practice. Never can replace experience. And Brandon Harder was a three-sport athlete back in high school. First joined the 48 team back in 2010. So we asked him, what's it like to work with Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals? For me, it's they're just two normal guys. Uh, we do a very intense job, but for me, it's always been getting to know them on a personal level and it's always been just a, a normal relationship um, which is I guess uncommon or people would think that would be uncommon um, so I, I look at it as that'd be uh, my answer for that <laughs> that was terrible <laughs> uh, that was good, it was that good was. but I love these stories because we always talk about drivers yeah. Getting the starts in, in Legends cars. He started as a, a mechanic in the Legends cars. Yeah, and he's been around Hendrick Motorsports since way back around 2010. So I was there when he was brought through. And he kind of, um, you know, the mold was there for these former athletes, but you never knew what the transition would be like and how you would manage them. And Brandon was one that he came in, not only an athlete, but you mentioned it with some racing experience. And that was really the bridge for some of our other athletes. They would lean, lean on Brandon and they would say, hey, you know, what is this racing thing like? How do you approach it? And the fact that he had the ability to kind of talk stick and ball, but still had the knowledge to talk racing, helped us with other athletes that we brought into the program. It's, it's been fun to watch him make that transition. Jackman to Gasman. I love Tony Hirschman. I, I, not, a, not a fan of the fact that he's a Duke fan though, Jeff. So you're, you're a Duke fan, but I won't hold that against Hirschman. I think he's a great spotter. Seems like to me, it'd be a good judge of character. <laughs> uh, after Zion Williamson's performance last night, I think you guys are in pretty good shape. But Hirsch comes from a great racing family and uh, certainly one of those guys who no doubt is a great contributor to the 18 team as well. And Eric Wallace, we talked about all of his experience in the Cup Series. And you talk about a tough job. Spot for Kyle Busch on those restarts. Oh, man. Because if there's open pavement, he's in it. <laughs> I'd hate to be the guy that has to figure it back in line off turn two. Of course, more pit crew all-stars this weekend. And we'll honor all of them at Miami and as part of our championship weekend down at Homestead Miami. Coming up, we'll recap today's major story. The penalty handed down to Kevin Harvick in the four team. For now, it takes him out of the championship race at Miami. This day in NASCAR takes us back to 2004. Dale Earnhardt Jr. led a race high, 118 laps, won at Phoenix. Burton, where are you in this race? Oh, I was going to win and something happened. <laughs> I thought you were in that shot back there. Come on. <laughs> I don't know, but he was behind us. Oh, we were in third. you were in third? <laughs> yep. Junior doesn't stage, stage dive anymore. Why I finished that? 11th, I listen, was told. Listen, he was youthful back there. I think stage dive after on cameras in the booth. What do you think? Who's going to catch him? Joey Logano, the only one locked in now after the penalties for Kevin Harvick and his race team today stripped of their spot in Miami as a result of the penalties and 40 points as well. Now just plus three above the cut line. So that's obviously been the major topic of the day, guys, along with Martin Truex Jr. and Cole Pern officially going to the 19. But how does the four team bounce back from this, Jeff? I just think they focus on the forward. I think that you can waste time worried about what happened. Or you just go to Phoenix. Yeah. And I think you, you, you go to Phoenix with a lot of confidence. Uh, you know Kevin Harvick's really good at Phoenix. You know he knows how to get it done. That's the focus. Go there with the intention of we have to win. I think that needs to be their mentality. 
Well, I think that's a mentality every week. Um, you know, when, when Kevin Harvick was asked at Texas what it felt like to win a race and be guaranteed in Miami, he was like, well, wait, wait, there's a race before. I'm going to go win Phoenix. <laughs> and you didn't shy away from that. Rodney Childers is wi- wired that way. Stuart Haas Racing is wired that way. Um, listen, nobody's going to like it. Uh, you know, we don't like it that it's coming out on a Wednesday. NASCAR doesn't like they had to give the penalty. I can assure you, Stuart Haas Racing doesn't like the penalty. Even the people they had to race against them don't like the penalty. You know, it's not a popular thing. But I think just like the four team, the series is going to go Friday morning and unload in Phoenix. And what happened at Texas is over. And the penalties from Wednesday will be over. And it'll be very clear. The points are now clear. Every other car has either passed or failed or done whatever. And the simple fact is we're going to a great shaped little short track in the desert. And when we leave there, there'll be four guys with a chance still to race for a championship. Certainly change the dynamic in the championship standings. You look at the playoff leaderboard, Jeff especially for Kurt Busch and Chase Elliott. I don't know that changed the game much for Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer, but now there's a scenario for Kurt Busch and Chase Elliott where they can point their way into Miami. Yeah, Chase Elliott ran really well in this race last year. Remember how well he ran, and, and uh, so he did have good speed. Uh, Kurt Busch is sitting there three points, so the door's open for those guys. I agree with you. I think the, I think uh, Eric Almarola and Clint Boyer, they still have to win, but I think that those, those five other guys, things got easier for them. So the other two that we haven't talked about is Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr., and it's gotten way easier for yes. them because leaving Texas, there were two winners and two seats available. And while they had a, a, a little bit of a points cushion, no one feels good about that. They instantly look up and they say, hey, not only is there only one winner, we may not have to take perhaps the championship favorite to Miami with us. So if I'm Kyle Busch, I'm racing Kevin Harvick for all he's worth. And by the way, we're dealing with a completely different racetrack at Phoenix. Oh, by the way, with the start-finish line moved off the corner. So how's that going to change the dynamic Sunday? So I think once we get green flag racing, it's not going to be a big deal. But let me tell you, once we get green flag racing, is a big deal. And I think these cup drivers are going to be watching those trucks and those Xfinities. Jeff, I don't think we under, anyone knows what's it going to be like rolling down into what is now turn one, used to be turn three, the flat end of the racetrack too wide. I think restarts. I think the game's different on restarts. Uh, turns one on a restart when you old turn one on a restart it's pretty narrow not a lot of opportunity to do that stuff the new turn one we've seen people with all four tires on the apron we've seen people in the second groove we've seen people dropping on the apron on what's now the front straightaway glad i'm watching and we haven't even talked about pit road yet which exits on the other side of the start finish line going to be completely different at phoenix this weekend cannot wait to get there that'll do it for today's nascar america just glad there wasn't any news today guys we'll see you here tomorrow 5 p.m eastern with a full hour This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.